McGurk. I love not typing. Not messing my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you <laughs> like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah! Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And we are live and wired on the DCTV po- uh, podcast YouTube channel and the Supergirl Radio Facebook page to continue a three-part series on that time in issues of the Superman Family Comics when Linda Danvers, a.k.a. Supergirl, was an actress on a soap opera titled Secret Hearts. It's all very exciting. Lots of secrets this time around, for sure. (laughs) Uh, So many secrets in this second part of our series. Uh, But before we get into what those secrets are, we need to get to the news. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Anna uh, Anna Nogara. I, th- I think that's right. Nogara, maybe? Nogara? Nogara. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw several right. different... I tried to look up the pronunciation. I think it's Anna Nogara is okay. my best guess. Ah, okay. Anna Nogara, uh, um, the actress and playwright who is now making forays into screenwriting, has been tapped to pen Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, a standalone feature uh, centered on the Kryptonian cousin of Superman being developed by DC Studios. No director is attached, and Nogara's deal only recently closed. Uh, the project is actually a redo for Nogara. Uh, the writer had quiet, was quietly hired to pen a Supergirl movie in 2022 when Warner Brothers was developing a, uh, the project as a spinoff of The Flash, then in post-production. Flash featured uh, Sasha Kaye. Kaje. Kaje. I, uh, I forgot to put the pronunciation in there. I'm I was sorry. so close. Uh, <laughs> as the uh, as the heroine, and the hope was to launch another DC film franchise. Those hopes were seemingly dashed when a gun and saffron uh, were brought in to oversee a reorganized DC arm. That project was tossed as the new executives focused on creating a brand new slate separate from former DC films boss Walter Hamada's vision. Early this year, Supergirl was revealed to be part of that slate as a project without any connection to the Flash movie. Rather, it was now connected in title and story to a comic book miniseries written by Tom King that was published in 2021 and 2022 and sought to redefine the character as something more than just a girl version of Superman. Excuse me, article. (laughs) Yeah, I had issues with that, too. I'm actually glad you mentioned you said something. because She's so much more. She's a soap opera actress. even. star soap opera actresses we'll discover in this uh, second part um i i don't remember tom king telling us that he was doing this to differentiate supergirl from superman i thought he said that he just wanted supergirl like his his legacy that he wanted to leave on this series was that he wanted supergirl comics to always be selling 
he yes, he, he always wanted that like a like a that Supergirl would always be in demand as a comic book. So I don't know where they're getting this idea that uh, that Tom King wrote it as a way. What it what does it say to redefine the character or something more than just a girl version of Superman? I don't remember. Maybe Tom King said that in an interview somewhere that I haven't read or seen. Excuse but I thought that was weird. Article. <laughs> offensive (laughs) offensive (laughs) how dare you uh the article goes on to say the comic uh featured Kara Zor-El aka Supergirl who along with Superdog Crypto uh gets caught up in a young alien girl's galaxy spanning revenge quest DC Studios is keeping the project's plot under wraps Gunn and Safran liked uh, the work of No Nogara Nogara maybe Nogara uh uh Oh, sorry. Gunn and Saffron liked the work Nogara had done on the previous Supergirl project and quietly brought her back, even giving her an overall DC writing deal. Uh, Nogara may best uh, may be best known for a stint on the CW's The Vampire Diaries with acting credits, including the Michael J. Fox show and The Blacklist. But she has also built a thriving writing career. Her play, Which Way to the Stage, debuted off-Broadway in 2022, and she's working on an adaptation of author uh, Alice uh, Sola Kim short story mothers lock up your daughters set up at warner's with 21 lamps producing so i was surprised by this news today i wasn't expecting any Supergirl woman of tomorrow news so that was a a nice surprise and you can tell the strikes are are wrapping up because suddenly stuff is happening (laughs) (laughs) things are moving forward uh i guess that's probably why they didn't uh announce it earlier because of the writer strike that actually makes sense uh yeah pointed that out yeah uh i'm glad to see that things are moving forward with it it seems like they're still planning on it i assume we'll still get like a 2025 maybe 2026 release date if we get it at all right around the corner (laughs) don't you worry i saw uh i saw james gunn tweet out something the other day because the 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 actor strike is is pretty much wrapping up too and uh it was about the superman movie uh and that will be coming out sometime in 2025 which makes me go "Mm -mm, supergirl's gonna be like 2026 i think also, is he going to make, is he going to shoot and cut together a Superman movie in a year? Maybe. That's ambitious. <laughs> it is. It, it, it feels like too bad. That, uh, that, I mean, maybe he's got, he's got it on lock. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's, he's, he's going to make it uh, look great in a year. Andy uh, comments in the chat that it is July, it's slated for July 11th, 2025, uh, with the production starting uh, this upcoming March 2024. I guess that's a year and some months. Yeah, it's like a year and a half, I guess. It's like 18 months, I guess. totally (laughs) i don't know i feel like it should probably take a little longer than that but maybe he's he's, he knows what he's doing he's he's got a a way to get it done faster what if it was like our take on superman has no special effects think about it (laughs) no no really think about it no flights no tights for the big screen (laughs) i I just imagine it was like okay this is gonna sound crazy 
it's all in one room. <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> be like it. it's gonna be like Alfred Hitchcock's rope, and there's gonna be no cuts. We're just gonna shoot <laughs> it all in one take. You know when you think Superman and you think twelve angry men, and, <laughs> and they don't seem like the same thing, but they could be. <laughs> A bold new take from James. A bold Gunn. new take. <laughs> Well, uh, so I guess, Morgan, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this because my first uh, my first impression of this news article was, oh, no, a playwright is handling this. Uh, I It makes me nervous. Uh, I'm sure this, uh, this young lady is wonderful. She must be a great writer. She seems to have some accolades uh, behind her. But in my experience, uh, when I've seen films that were written by playwrights, you can feel it. Uh, uh, the most notable example that I can think of is uh, Steven Spielberg's Lincoln film, which uh, won all these awards and blah, blah, blah. I thought it was terrible. And the <laughs> reason why I thought it was terrible was because it felt like a play. A lot of the scenes mm. felt like it was written for the stage. And sometimes when playwrights do screenwriting, it can feel like that because it is a different animal. It's like the difference... Between, you know, you've written comic books. Uh, so you're a comic book I've, writer. I've written that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, there there's a, a different skill set. There's a different method of handling different kinds of writing. Poetry is different from prose. Prose is different from news writing. News writing is different from TV writing. TV writing is a little bit different from film writing. So there's different uh, approaches to that. And my concern is because... Uh, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow as a comic book is so visual. It's such yeah. a beautiful visual comic that I hope it's not just scenes of characters talking to each other like you would in a play. Because a play, you're only, uh, when you're doing a playwriting, you're basically, and I'm I'm not speaking as a playwright because I don't know, I've never written a play, but I imagine that when you sit down to write a uh, a script or a story for the stage, you're not worried so much about the visuals. Because the set's already done. The costumes have already been picked out. All that stuff is already done. You're just worried about the dialogue and where people are moving around on the stage. That's all you're worried about. But for a film, you have to think a little bit bigger and a little larger and a little more visual. So I I have my concerns about this, but I'm hoping that she will do a great job. I think uh, some of the work has already kind of been done for her. The story already exists. Yeah, um, uh, she can go reference the the two true gr grit movies that have been made that inspired the story. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, so I think there are ways that she can do it, even though she doesn't have really any screenwriting credits to her name. No, if you look on her, like I'm, <laughs> if you look on her IMDb, there are no screenwriting uh, credits except for this and some other little short film uh, to her name. So that's a little concerning for a big budget movie and for this big Supergirl movie, too. So I, know. I, I just it makes me a little nervous, but I'm curious to hear what you think. Yeah, I am like of two minds about it. One is that I'm also nervous because just like you said, uh, plus, you know, writing for the stage is much different than writing for the screen. Um, but on the on the plus side uh whatever she was doing as a treatment for the supergirl movie that was going to spin out from the flash maybe where she didn't get killed a lot <laughs> uh they seemed to have liked the direction that she was going in especially since she had kind of been brought on she didn't have a lot of experience so you would think that 
if they weren't liking sort of her take on the character, that would have been a perfect time to be like, all right, let's like, let's go in a different direction. Let's find somebody new. But presumably they liked the work that she had done on the Supergirl, you know, movie that never will be. I uh, wish we could I, do that script. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> en- enough for them to be like, all right, let's like, like, let's let her have a shot at, at this other project. So on the one hand, it seems comforting that like they liked it enough to keep her around. On the other hand, I am really concerned that she hasn't written a feature film before. And, and as I think all of us know, who have watched a bunch of these superhero movies, they can be kind of a, a tough one, especially as like studios get involved. It's IP. So people like the studios and the, you know, the, DC can get kind of precious about things. So hopefully um, she can just go ahead and do a good job uh, and like get in there with the, with the story that we already have from the, the Tom King run. So, I mean, obviously we liked the Tom King run uh, a lot. So the story, I think if they use it um, is pretty solid. Don't, don't say that. Don't, don't, don't even put it out there that they can change things. Could oh you my imagine gosh, if don't it's like, change things. If it's like how, you know, on Supergirl, they would have like a character and it'd be like, I mean, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like, like rain or. I can kind uh, of. The yeah. world killers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, she kind of has like that weapon, I guess, but she doesn't look guess, anything like I her. I guess if I'm being real, she has like a similar vibe. <laughs> But I mean, in no other and, way is it similar. <laughs> it's it's weird because Cy never uh, talked in nursery rhymes in the comics, but here she is on Supergirl, the TV show, doing it. Uh, A yeah. new take on the character. Uh, so yeah, I I'm I'm interested to see what they come up with. I'm like hoping for the best. Already, like they have, I think, good material that they're working from. So I'm comforted in that regard where it's like, you know, as long if they follow the comic, you know, or if they use the comic as, as their inspiration and pull from it, then we liked that. So that seems like a step in the right direction already. <laughs> People like this comic book. I, it's in my opinion, and I think we probably both agree. It's, it's one of the best, definitely Supergirl uh, comics ever uh, put together. But I would, I would say it's one of the best comic book series of all time, of all time, uh, even. Uh, yeah. I mean, and and obviously, some of that was the the artwork, which like every single um, piece of art in that comic could you could just like frame it and put it on your wall, and so that's going to be a little bit different. But I would love it actually if the movie pulled some of that visual style from the comic because I think that could be so unique to so, add in. So this is what could help Anna Nogueira. Um, she can kind of do her pass on the the script and then whoever they get for the director, oh my gosh, they have to pick somebody good. They have got, if they're going to have this first time screenwriter write the screenplay, they need to have an expert filmmaker has been doing it a long, like I have high expectations for this. You got to nail the visuals. You got to nail the Western feel. You got to nail the casting and the relationship between Kara and Ruthie. You've got to nail this stuff. So uh, (laughs) on a more personal level, if I don't listen, guys, if I don't see that horse, getting close, (laughs) if I don't see that horse in this movie, (laughs) I am going to flip out. (laughs) Comment better be in it. (laughs) If they're like, uh, 
you know that that uh that flying horse is a little silly. We don't we don't need that in here. I'm I'm gonna I want lose the it. flying horse. I'll be like, excuse me, the people <laughs> me. It's like, I jump through like, into, like <laughs> Warner Brothers Studios. <laughs> They're like, what if what if the horse didn't turn into a man? What if what if it was just a horse? <laughs> Even then, it would still. Get I just scream sacrilege as I dive in. <laughs> Um, uh, Venkata in the, in the chat says, do you think Greta Gerwig would direct Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow? I hope not. (laughs) I thoroughly disliked Barbie. While the aesthetics were great, the storytelling was garbage. In my opinion, I know a lot of people like the Barbie movie. I was not impressed. Um, I know Greta Gerwig though does have some, uh titles under her belt so she does have some experience being a director on a big film especially for warner brothers so i could see them picking her but oh my gosh i like even when i think about the barbie movie it makes me kind of sick to my stomach a little bit <laughs> so like it makes me physically ill to think about the barbie movie it's so funny i'm all, so i'm on the other side in that <laughs> i i loved the barbie movie i went as barbie for halloween i was like hi barbie to everybody uh, <laughs> See, i like i like the world of that i yeah. love that and so, dragon con they were all every all the cosplayers were hi barbie hi barbie that yeah i think that's great the film though the screen the screenplay the the writing the dialogue it was awful i couldn't stomach it but I do like the aesthetics of it and the world that she built. So I think that there were some positives to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I could see them maybe going with her again because she just opened a huge movie for them, um, and it was female focused. And the aesthetics, I think, she does a really good job with it. Like the Barbie world is very bright and it's very like happy and it's very you know it really does read as like Barbie, like a childhood barbie so i could see i could see her being able to maybe like do the the visual aspects of it absolutely where you know it's you know more a little bit more painterly and like pretty Mm. i think that she does really well with aesthetics i mean at least she did in barbie and she was a ladybird was also great so i have not seen ladybird so i cannot comment on that although i've heard good (laughs) things ladybird hit me a little bit too close to home because it's like it takes place in the early 2000s and she's going to a catholic school and i was like (laughs) oh god my life (laughs) (laughs) i i agree i think greta gerwig would do a good job visually i just have a fear that she would have ruthie rant about the patriarchy every five minutes (laughs) and that i would not care for i i I want somebody to report back to me go go through barbie and count how many times they say the word patriarchy and report back to me i would like to know um i mean i think ruthie can get one patriarchy rant in there (laughs) she gets one and that's multiple (laughs) maybe not multiple i mean a man did kill her father so a uh, man did kill her father How dare they? <laughs> so, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, for people who have not. Um, I, uh, I, I, I have to say, I, for, for some reason, I forgot that uh, Greta Gerwig also did Little Women, which was also were, very good. Were they ranting about the patriarchy in Little Women? I mean, I, a little there bit. There must but, have been, but that, yes. But, uh, but to be fair, uh, there was a fair amount of that in the book, too. Well, true, so true. They were like, why can't I do things? And they're like, because you're just a little woman. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Greta Gerwig is apparently tackling uh, uh, C.S. Lewis's, uh, I don't know if it's the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or like the Narnia Chronicles. And I'm like, oh, no, why? No, God, why? <laughs> no. 
Don't touch C.S. Lewis. Get Greta Gerwig away from C.S. Lewis, please. Um, I think they'll be pretty, though. <laughs> they'll be really pretty. But please get her away from C.S. Lewis. Shut that down. Um, yeah, so um, all that to say, uh, I'm a little nervous about the screenwriting aspect, but if you put a director in there, God forbid it be Greta Gerwig. She would at least be able to, uh, in my opinion anyway, I can't speak for Morgan, um, but I think somebody like that who has experience with these kind of big movies with the visuals and all that could could lift the material a little bit. So uh, I'm willing to give uh, Anna Noguera a shot. I think uh, if people think highly of her, maybe she has, maybe this will give her the hunger to make it really good. Maybe, you know, uh, giving, uh, being given this opportunity will, will drive her to make the script the, uh, the best that it actually uh, possibly could be. Uh, I, I see that I'm not alone in in Lady Bird uh, hitting too close to home. Aaron says, same here with Lady Bird. I went to Catholic school in early 2000s and my mom was a nurse as well. Oh, so like Lady Bird was like really personal for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will definitely have to watch Lady Bird. Maybe Lady Bird will change my perspective on Greta Gerwig. And, it's, it's, uh, it's a fun movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it really took me back. I was like, oh, yeah, we did all wear our uniforms like that. <laughs> she does ran about the patriarchy in that one. I'm, that's it. I'm done with Greta Gerwig. Um, uh, Andy asked a question in the chat. Uh, if you guys could pick your ideal cinematographer, director of photography, who would you want that could bring those comic book books to life? Uh, hmm. People probably don't want me to uh, like answer that question because it's going to be Zack Snyder. He's the, in my opinion, uh, he's the only one who can handle the Western uh, aspect of it, the CGI aspect of it, the visuals, the colors, all of that stuff. He would knock that out of the park. And I just hate that they won't let him anywhere near DC stuff anymore. Um, he he also does, uh, Snyder does a lot of female-led films. So uh, I think that would be great. Uh, uh, DP-wise, cinematographer, though, I'd, I'd have to really think about that. Um, I, I, oh. have a, I have a director in mind, but uh, DP would be a little more. Do we have a guest? Did, did you have some thoughts and feelings about it, Bunsen? <laughs> who, 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 what director? <laughs> would you would you choose Bunsen? Uh, oh, he's not he's not quite sure. He says, you know, I'd have to watch a little bit more cinema. I'd have to really get get in touch with watch a couple westerns, see who's done a good western recently. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I thought I thought I heard that he wanted to go through Greta Gerwig's filmography and really she, answer that question. Bun Bunsen said he uh, he lo he loved Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> He has his own mojo dojo cost the house and it's here. And that would actually it. be great for the lab cats. I think Bunsen's, like, Bunsen's like, I too love horses. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he related to Ken's struggle to be seen. <laughs> right, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Andy also says, uh, I feel optimistic since Tom is working on it as an architect of Superwoman of Tomorrow. I feel almost, I'm almost certain he will co-write it or at least do a story by it. Yeah, they'll give him some uh credit in terms of the tom king aspect of the film uh yeah so uh i think uh we'll just have to be wait and see mood uh or mode i guess uh so hopefully we'll get uh some casting announcements soon Ooh. i don't but we don't have a direct director yet i assume the director will do the casting i would think that the director is probably like the next thing so that they, they have a writer now and then eventually there'll be a director and then we're going to get casting, which will be really fun. If we get a director that has no like directing. What credits? if it's a brand new director? <laughs> too? What if it's a director and it's like, 
she is so good at plays. And then the whole <laughs> and then the whole thing is just like in a black box theater. <laughs> that would be a real choice. Supergirl tells that I am not my cousin. <laughs> She's holding a skull for some reason. Okay, so if they did if they did a <laughs> Superwoman of Tomorrow on Broadway, I'd go see it. I would absolutely go see it. That be that would be awesome. <laughs> We're giving them all kinds of free ideas here tonight. I mean, if you're gonna really lean into the play aspect. Uh, I think we should do that. Um, what if the new DC Cinematic Universe is just like, what if they were all plays? <laughs> we, we've got 12 Angry Men Superman. <laughs> Macbeth, Macbeth Supergirl. We're, we're, it's going to be great. Ooh, Macbeth. Yes, I like that. That is uh, the Scottish play. Is the, the Scottish play. That's all, true. So. That's true. Of all. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, please share your thoughts about the Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow News. Uh, please, uh calm my fears uh, because <laughs> I have high expectations uh, because I just want it to be great. So if, uh, if Anna Nogueira, if you're watching this and you need some uh, information about Supergirl, if you need uh, 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 information about references, about things to check out, about stories to read, about information about Supergirl story, hit us up. We will help we you help. learn all things uh, Supergirl. So we already have the research. Is the thing <laughs> we have all the Google Docs. Have you heard about the good word of Snapper Car and his robot hands? <laughs> it's not really applicable to what you're doing, but I just wanted to. I wanted to share it. <laughs> you could you could put a surprise uh, post credit uh, tease in there. Oh, could you imagine if the post credit teaser is just Snapper <laughs> doing this? And then he's like, cool, daddy-o. And then it just <laughs> fades to black. <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't understand what that was about. Yeah. And he'd be like, we do. <laughs> we are the only two people. <laughs> what if they just make this movie just for us and like nobody else is into it? Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> We're your audience now, guys. Come on. <laughs> we would go see it a lot of times. So I think I think it's something to consider uh, when evaluating your audience for these projects. Okay. Well, we've talked about the movie news uh, that we uh, got today. So I think we should uh, dig into uh, soap opera mode and get back into learning about Linda Danvers and her time on the uh, soap opera Secret Hearts in the early 1980s of DC Comics. In the last episode of Supergirl Radio, a theater producer and former Hollywood agent overhears Linda Danvers' fight with her boss, and her fire to stand up for herself earns her the acting gig to play the new shrew of soap opera, Margot Hatton. As Supergirl, Linda Danvers thwarts the sports scandals of Fred Fox and the explosive crimes of the Mind Bomber, who disintegrates before realizing his potential as a small-screen storyteller. After Lena Thorle Colby learns about Supergirl's secret identity, Linda is starting to suspect that Greg Gilbert has a secret of his own. Confused? You won't be after this episode of Supergirl Radio. Okay, well, uh, let's get into Superman Family number 212. This is a story titled Payment on Demand. And in the in the episode, in the issue, uh, Supergirl just can't believe how much violence there is in New York City. She is so surprised <laughs> by this for some reason. Uh, I guess uh, coming into the big city, her whole deal is like, this big city has lots of crime. I have to fix it. It's like, that's kind of superhero 101. Like, imagine if you just moved to like a sleepy small town. What are you going to do? Just get cats out of trees? Be, be thankful for the crime, Supergirl. <laughs> 
Yeah, so Supergirl is blown away by how much violence there is in New York City. On her way back to the studio for an emergency taping session for Secret Hearts, which I don't think happens in soap operas, but it doesn't feel like it. (laughs) We'll we'll go with it. Uh, An emergency taping session for Secret Hearts, she runs into a brawl in the GBS lobby caused by, quote, some costumed weirdo, unquote, who calls himself Blackrock, who tried to bust in. Blackrock is a familiar name to Supergirl. She's heard cousin Superman mentioned fighting him. Blackrock wears a, quote, crazy getup, unquote, that includes a purple mask and cape, green top and gloves, uh, which are decorated with look like lightning bolts uh, or just kind of jagged lines. And the lower half of his body is made up of cohesive black particles. Black huh. Rocky, Black Rocky. I really thought one. it was just like a bunch of pebbles. <laughs> no, they're, they're supposed to be particles. Okay. Um, okay. So Black Rock uses a weapon uh, called the Power Stone against innocent men in the GBS lobby. The stone's raw energy can assume any form that he wishes. To prevent Supergirl from thwarting his plans, Black Rock uses the Power Stone on Supergirl, imprisoning her in a cocoon. Uh, that her super strength has trouble smashing through. So Uh-oh. BlackRock, this villain, has come into WGR, or GBS is what they call it here. Sometimes they call it WGBS, but it's just GBS in this issue. In this issue. And he is coming uh, to try to get something. So while held back for a short time, Supergirl does break through the energy barrier that Blackrock has put her in. And as soon as she does, one of the studio guards shot, uh, shoots at Blackrock and the gunshot passes right through him because his lower half is the particles. To complete his escape, Blackrock gave the guards a selective amnesia, which is convenient, with his black energy preventing them from being able to remember what Blackrock looked like without his costume. So they must have Ooh. seen him uh, maybe without his costume for a little bit of a time and then uh they conveniently uh cannot remember uh to tell people so meanwhile <laughs> uh meanwhile supergirl is helping uh lena move in next door to linda danvers this was lena's idea to be able to cover for <laughs> linda when she needs help protecting her secret but uh she should be concerned though because lena may need may be the one who needs the help oh Yes, Lena has been experiencing some fleeting headaches. She hasn't been sleeping too well and has been working too hard covering up for her boss, Greg, who is the scriptwriter for Secret Hearts. If you will remember in the previous oh, that's part, right. uh, Greg was uh, sort of slacking and uh, Lena was trying to help him uh, pump out those Secret Hearts uh, scripts. So Lena is still covering up for Greg's mistakes. unbelievable i know greg Greg. get it together get it together we'll figure out we'll we'll find out why greg has been slacking supergirl wonders if she can help lena by figuring out why greg has been neglecting his responsibilities so she is concerned about lena and the headaches that she's having and wants to help at the next morning's secret hearts read-through how kyle who is the actor who plays dr bridges on the show is unhappy with greg's dialogue and asks for a (laughs) rewrite while on a break to ease the mounting tension on set, Linda asks Greg if he wants to go out to dinner with her. She has noticed that Greg has been indifferent to her lately, despite initially hitting on her something fierce. He was really going after Linda. And <laughs> now he was. She had to go to every single sports in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Went to a lot of sporting events. And uh, now uh, something has cooled with Greg. Uh, she's more relieved than insulted, though, but still wants to know why Greg isn't <laughs> acting like himself. Instead of going out to eat, 
uh, Greg takes Linda back to his apartment. Through his inner dialogue, Greg lets us know that he hasn't got a dime. He's tapped out. Uh-oh. Maybe Linda will join him for a TV dinner from his freezer. Which, <laughs> Greg, you could do a little better than that. Let's be honest. <laughs> not a great date. Uh, Linda's going to be a little disappointed. I love the idea of like Greg being like, hey, come back to my place. And then he's like, pizza roll? <laughs> real, uh, real. My baby, Linda, you can have pizza anytime. <laughs> Linda's a big star. She can have, she can uh, get delivery pizza even. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, a man hiding in Greg's apartment comes out of the shadows and punches Greg. Supergirl, of course, would step in and stop this, but since she is Linda Danvers in this situation, she needs to roll with what is happening to keep her secret identity intact. The man attacking Greg is doing so on behalf of a man named Sal, who is a mobster and runs an illegal gaming parlor in the village. Do Uh-oh. <laughs> now we probably uh, can surmise why Greg doesn't have a dime. Greg, uh, Greg <laughs> what are you up to? <laughs> due to bad luck in a high-stakes poker game, Greg owes Sal $30,000 and hasn't paid him yet. And this is what year? <laughs> this is 1981. My, I don't know. My favorite thing is the inflation calculator. Oh, yeah. I'm going to find out because that's a lot of money. That's a lot of 80s money. That's a lot of money now. That's a lot of money now, but it was sure a lot of money. Oh, my God. That What's was... That was a hundred thousand dollars in nineteen eighty one. Greg, Greg was real bad at poker. Greg, you gotta know when to you gotta know when to hold them, but you also gotta know when to fold them. <laughs> he was not folding them, apparently. So Greg eventually gets the upper hand with this guy who's come into his apartment during this encounter, and while throwing a punch at the intruder. Uh, Linda does help him out. She secretly assists Greg <laughs> by using her super breath to help Greg pack a powerhouse punch. And after the henchman runs away, Linda and Greg talk about how his gambling addiction is causing problems at work. It's affecting his secret hearts, uh, screenwriting, uh, work ethic, uh, that he cannot get those scripts out. So Linda suggests that he visit a psychiatric clinic, but Greg pushes the idea aside so that he can figure out how to pay Sal. He's got to like not have gamblers anonymous or any of those programs back in the eighties. It doesn't sound like it. Uh, I don't know what the psychiatric clinic. Yeah, I guess that would I just like, be like a, like a shrink? The therapist. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Like a unpack why you feel like you need to keep gambling, Greg, but <laughs> <laughs> stop spending money. <laughs> stop uh, losing at poker. If you're not good at poker, just don't play. You can just not play. <laughs> <laughs> That would also solve the problem. Uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> that's a good question, though. The villain of this story, Blackrock, has been witnessing this whole scene with uh, the intruder into Greg's apartment outside of Greg's window and thinks that Greg's his, his newfound circumstance of owing Sal $30,000 will make him receptive to the partnership that Blackrock uh, is about to propose. Uh-oh. So uh, the, the villain is keeping tab tabs on Greg. Wanting to know more about Blackrock, Supergirl meets Superman at the Fortress of Solitude. Supergirl needs background information on Blackrock because she can't figure out his identity. Nobody has any Ooh. clue. The guards at, at GBS had that selective amnesia. Nobody knows, <laughs> nobody knows what he looks like. And his, his, his hood, that was hard to say, his hood <laughs> is lead lined. So, of course, Supergirl can't see through it. Very convenient. 
Superman informs her that Blackrock has never had the same civilian identity twice. So uh, that's going to make it uh, a little bit harder for her to figure out who this is. Blackrock's uh, costume, though, this is something that Superman does know. Blackrock's costume and powers were designed by a man named Dr. Peter Silverstone, head of research and development for the United Broadcasting Company, GBS's chief competitor. Blackrock mm. was originally intended to be UBC's resident superhero. UBC's president, Samuel Tanner, thought that the, re the reason GBS's news department got so many scoops was because Superman worked for GBS. So Tanner wanted a crime fighter of his own. Actually, Samuel Tanner uh, probably was right about that because <laughs> Superman <laughs> working for GBS uh, probably gave them a little bit of an edge on the news. Each time the UBC ratings took a nosedive, Silverstone, this is uh, Dr. Peter Silverstone, head of research and development for uh, the chief competitor to GBS. He chose the best candidate at the time and brainwashed him into becoming BlackRock. First, it was Tanner himself and then Tanner's nephew. To this day, neither man had any recollection of ever having been BlackRock. Very Whoa. also very convenient that everybody's very just getting everything. So uh, this news means that this latest incarnation of BlackRock could be anyone. Watch out. It's like dun, a whole, dun, dun. like a like a Leviathan situation. I was about to say, you know what this sounds like? <laughs> it sounds like what they lied about Leviathan being. <laughs> <laughs> Leviathan could uh be anyone. Or no one, uh, it turns out. <laughs> Leviathan could be anyone, but it's really it's really pencil skirt and Ramakan. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we really got. They're even the main people. Uh, and that older lady, I forgot. I think her name was Margo, too, maybe? Oh, uh, I think it was Margo. Yeah. R.I.P. Margo. Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, continuing on. Uh, meanwhile, Blackrock has approached... Uh, Greg with his proposal to take care of Greg's gambling debt or murdering Sal. Greg isn't really sure. <laughs> this conversation is taking a weird turn for for Greg, and he thinks that uh, Blackrock is saying like take take Sal out, and so he's uh, concerned that Blackrock is going to murder Sal, and he doesn't want to <laughs> have anything to do with that. And, uh, but uh, Blackrock will take care of Greg's gambling debt. If Greg will steal the blueprints for a 3D television from the GBS research lab. 3D? <laughs> now, keep in mind, this is 1981. That we, was some cutting edge technology. We ended up having 3D televisions in the future. We so this, did. I, although I never had one because yeah. I thought it was a kind of a silly idea, but they existed. <laughs> No one really did, but <laughs> there's a reason we don't all have them. <laughs> Not that exciting. I don't really like 3D. Much. No one really does. Those, those flimsy glasses on and they're kind of... I don't even like to go see like the movies in 3D. Me, me neither. Like, because like about halfway through the movie, my eyes just get tired. I'm like, ugh. No more 3D, please. Just normal, normal for me. Thanks. Am I, am I going to sit at home and watch The Crown in 3D? What do you, what do you want from me? <laughs> it's like I'm really there. <laughs> the corgis, they're like they're in the room with me. <laughs> like, why am I? Why am I going to sit at home and watch 3D? But anyway, that was a thing that they um, talked about in 1981 as uh, being something brand new, and now it uh, it it got realized. That's it, true. It wasn't popular, the but <laughs> there are going to be a couple of instances like that with some of these uh, things here and these issues that I think are very interesting uh, history wise. So uh, so Greg is supposed to go steal the blueprints for a 3D television from the GBS 
research lab. And I should uh, point out that a, a television station is not going to be doing research on how to make new TVs. That's going to that be is, like that's my, Samsung. <laughs> my my uncle actually worked for uh, Philips Magnavox and oh, uh, okay. some other things. So hey, my uncle actually uh, is. Uh, he has the patent uh, patent for picture in picture television. Whoa! So, so <laughs> that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Uh, he actually uh, used to do uh, computer stuff and uh, would be at conferences with uh, Steve Jobs. So whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so uh, those kinds of companies would be doing the television research on how to make new televisions, not yeah. the not the network studio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like so, NBC's in there, like. <laughs> So I find that a little hard to believe, but maybe in the 1980s, that's something that they were doing. I don't know. This is a wild west back then. So <laughs> who knows? <laughs> okay. So we know about Greg and the blueprints for the 3D television. Well, hearing an alarm that Supergirl installed in Lena's apartment, because remember, uh, Supergirl's helping Lena move in. So now that Lena knows the secret, Supergirl's putting uh, an alarm in her apartment so that just in case she ever had an emergency, Supergirl could fly over to Lena's apartment. And uh, at this moment, she does it and discovers that Greg is there because what? Greg asked Lena to call Supergirl because he thinks Blackrock is going to kill Sal and hopes that Supergirl will help him prevent a murder, which is a pretty valid concern uh, because Blackrock does go to Sal's casino. And <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and Sal's casino is referred to by the comic as Sal's, quote, little den of iniquity, unquote. Supergirl <laughs> flies in just in time to start a fight, fight with Blackrock, causing Blackrock to threaten that he won't help Greg with his gambling debt. So uh, Greg really needs Blackrock to help him with this. Uh, but things have gone a little bit. Uh, <laughs> things have gone astray. Uh, I, I We have a correction uh, from Mark in the chat. Uh, caveat at one time nbc was owned by rca and then ge so True. maybe those maybe in that case they would have been developing this 3d television it's like on 30 rock when uh yeah. jack donaghy was working on those uh microwave uh, the third heat um, <laughs> third heat uh, uh ovens or what, were, what was it the third heat he needed for was it like another oven? setting on the My microwave or microwave oven programming is what he was <laughs> yeah yeah i i it makes me so sad that GE doesn't own NBC anymore. The, the jokes were so good on 30 Rock about it. The GE jokes were better than the, uh, what was the other company that came in and bought them? Started Comcast. Comcast. Those jokes weren't as good. There was something about a couch or something. I remember it was kind of It, it just lame. wasn't, it, it wasn't as funny as the idea of like it being like a TV station that like also the parent company also made microwaves and like refrigerators. <laughs> <laughs> you get your refrigerator and a little bit of an NBC. And that the TV executive was also involved in the creation of the microwave <laughs> yes. program. So good. <laughs> so those jokes, I agree, were a lot better. Everyone should watch 30 Rockets. It's amazing. Um, okay, so let's get to the end of this issue and find out what the cliffhanger is because it's a wild one. Uh, the issue ends on a cliffhanger at Lena's apartment. Lena's son Val and her mother-in-law enter the apartment to find Lena unconscious, uh, unconscious on the floor. Something has happened to <laughs> Lena. She's been having those headaches, and uh, some, something's uh, something's happened. She has. Pass out on the floor. Is Lena going to make it? We will have to find out in the next issue. So that's a, a big cliffhanger. To leave it. Yes. <laughs> so hopefully Lena will be okay. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Morgan, you want to take us through uh, the Superman family, number 213? Sure do. Yeah, so that brings us to our next issue uh, in a story titled Bad Day with Blackrock. <laughs> uh, we return to the fight between Supergirl and Blackrock. The fight goes on for a while, and when Supergirl confronts Blackrock on going to kill Sal, Blackrock tells her that, that murder was never his intention. Which, I mean, should he, she trust him? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't seem trustworthy. I'm just saying. He's made uh, of particles. He's made of particles. You can't <laughs> trust a man made of particles. Uh, he says he went to the casino to merely scare him off. Sure, Blackrock. Uh, <laughs> Supergirl informs Blackrock that he's still guilty of extortion and that he should face a judge. And I'm sure Blackrock loved that. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Greg, meanwhile, is in Henrietta's coffee shop nearby, but can't hear any of this conversation between Supergirl and Blackrock. Wait, did Greg just stop for a coffee? Yeah, he's, he, he, <laughs> he seems it seems like uh, he goes to this coffee shop a lot. He knows Henrietta. He, he has a like a an ongoing relationship. So, like, Supergirl's like bailing him out of this like very bad situation. He's just like, all right, a Java time. Well, what else is he gonna do? He he can't he can't go to work. He's not doing any I of his work. That's true. He, he's he's that's just true. trying to stay out of the casino. He's trying to avoid <laughs> good for gambling. Good for him. He's he's gonna get like really into coffee. He's gonna be like one of those people <laughs> who are like, oh my god, it's only the best blends for me. <laughs> it takes like ten minutes to order a coffee. He's like, I'm really into artisanal coffees. <laughs> it makes me not think about poker. <laughs> He's just going to switch one addiction for another one. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Greg wonders what to do if Supergirl can't defeat Blackrock and concludes that if she can't, he still needs to hold up his end of the bargain and steal from the Galaxy Broadcasting System. Greg, I feel like that that's a weird... That's I, a weird conclusion to come to. I think there's some other options, maybe. I feel like can... something in the middle there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't Greg. have to go to theft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Greg. Classic Greg. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, back at Lena's apartment, medical assistance has arrived to take Lena to the hospital. Lena's mother-in-law, Ida Colby, asks the paramedic what he thinks is wrong with Lena. And he tells her to start praying. <laughs> What in the world? That doesn't seem that nice. <laughs> so this paramedic, I feel like, is not a medical professional because she asked him, like, hey, what what's going on? Can you tell me what's wrong with Lena? And he's like, I don't know. That's mm. for the doctor to tell you. Like, <laughs> like you're, you're a paramedic. That's <laughs> for the guy upstairs to tell you. That's, that's above my pay grade, lady. <laughs> you're a paramedic. You should be able to tell her something. <laughs> a little bit of medical information, maybe? <laughs> Thanks for nothing. Give her now information about the vitals or something? I don't know. Like take her temperature and tell her something. He's like, he's like I, I'm not going to, I can't say for certain, but she's definitely dying. <laughs> Jeez, thanks for that. Thanks for just stressing me out more. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the 20th floor research labs of Galaxy Broadcasting build it, Broadcasting's building in New York, Greg is, oh, Greg. Greg is trying to swipe the blueprints Blackrock once. Supergirl locates Greg using a supervision scan of the building and offers Greg a more productive deal. <laughs> uh, the issue is going to make us wait to learn what that is and turns the time ahead one hour. Uh-oh. This is, oh, some storytelling here. Yes, Get, I'm jumping. Some drama. <laughs> uh, 
So Linda has reached St. Vincent's Hospital. Lena's mother-in-law tells Linda that Lena had a cerebral hemorrhage caused by a ruptured aneurysm. I guess I talked to the doctor. I guess the doctor knew. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the doctor wanted to get some information. I mean, but they don't have much because the doctors don't know how or why. Uh, (laughs) They're really striking out in this whole situation. Lena's mother-in-law thinks that Lena may not make it oh no thanks for dire for lena this is pretty dire (laughs) uh the mother-in-law doesn't seem all that sad about it though (laughs) (laughs) because she's she brought a photocopy of an fbi dossier proving that lena is lex luther's sister uh, what, why is she doing that? Like, you know, <laughs> what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> so she, she thinks that if Lena is going to die, uh huh, her son needs to know who she really is. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. I was about to say, he she's needs, getting really aggressive he, for no he, reason here. He needs to know the truth. He needs to know, yes, his family, his family heritage. (laughs) Uh, Lena's son, Val, doesn't know this, and the mother-in-law thinks he should. Um, So the issue then flashes back to when Lena gained her ESP powers due to a Lex Luthor scientific experiment gone wrong. When Lex turned to a life of crime, Lex and Lena's parents decided to change their name to Thoral, uh, reversing the letters of the name Luthor. Real, I mean, that's slick. Truly nobody, do love that. Nobody uh, will ever know. No one's gonna figure that one out for <laughs> sure. That's why that's why they were geniuses, right? That's what yes. criminal masterminds, all of them. Uh, <laughs> so they moved to another town and tell young Lena that her brother was dead. So I guess they were just like, we don't know what to do with this kid. So we're just gonna change our names and move. Um yes. and just hope he never finds us. Well, um, Lex was a, a bad guy. Nobody wanted Lex, to have anything to do with him. Lex was a very bad boy, so they, they just left him. Uh, <laughs> years later. And after her parents were killed in an auto accident, Lena applied to join the FBI. Oh, Lena's had such a life, man. <laughs> she ditched the FBI to become a, a screenwriter on a soap opera. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they were hesitant to hire someone like Lena, who seemingly didn't have a past. Supergirl, having learned the truth, turned the information over to the FBI, resulting... <laughs> wait, is this previous? Wait, wait, say it again. Wait, is it, did Supergirl previously turn the information over to the FBI about Lena being related to Lex? So she, so she just kind of boned Lena's chances at getting into the FBI. Yeah, well, she thought she needed to do uh, the right thing here. And uh, P.S., my stream yard is freezing. I think my, um, oh no, I think my, uh chrome is freezing <laughs> mind the gap says supergirl is a narc <laughs> <laughs> okay if you will hang out in the chat for a second i'm gonna yes. re try to reboot and then we will continue on with our story i my apologies that it has uh frozen up i'm gonna try Streamyard. to see if i can uh restart my chrome Having all kinds of technical difficulties with Streamyard lately i swear if there are comments uh in the chat uh, ask uh, Morgan some questions and I will be back. So I see that Aaron uh, asked, wasn't Lena more of a ghostwriter for the soap? Yeah, I guess she didn't really get credit for it, did she? Because she's she's really doing all of Greg's work for him. Uh, Greg is just sort of riding on her coattails as the, as the soap is taking off and uh, getting really popular and uh, they're loving all the storylines and they're loving Linda, L- Linda Danvers in the, in the role, but but Craig's getting all the 
the credit for it, but really it's Lena who's doing all the writing. So yeah, she's a, she is a ghostwriter. I bet she's a, I bet when she leaves this job, they're going to be like, well, you did a great job as an assistant. And she'll be like, can I put on my resume that I was a writer? And they'll be like, you sure can't. Uh, because that just seems kind of like the vibe at this place. Uh, <laughs> Brian says BlackRock has affected StreamYard. Yeah, all the little particles of, uh, of BlackRock went into the StreamYard, and that is what is causing the technical difficulty. I do appreciate that we are left on this beautiful panel from Superman Family number 213, where uh, little baby Lena is apparently getting electrocuted by what looks like a giant brain. I'm not sure that that is a giant brain, but it's what looks like is happening in this comic panel. Um, and it is a very funny image. Um, Mind the Gap says, a story about a soap writer getting credit for a woman's work sounds like an 80s movie. Uh, and Mark says, patriarchy, both of which I agree with. <laughs> if it if it it sounds pretty real realistic for uh, the 1980s, that just a sort of mediocre white man would just would just walk away with the credit for uh, <laughs> for Lena's work. But what are you going to do? Uh, it looks like Rebecca is maybe coming back, which is exciting. Um, and we can learn more about Lena's tragic backstory and how she got electrocuted by that giant brain in the jar or whatever it is. Okay. <laughs> sorry about that. It just uh, froze up on me. So, we we do we dove into a no. little bit of uh of Alina getting the short shift in this writing job that she, <laughs> she's not going to be able to put, put on her resume because they're not going to be like no she wasn't a writer on the show surely, like, but all the best storylines were mine <laughs> surely they've given her some kind of credit uh, she's, <laughs> she's like, probably on there is loaded <laughs> doing this. <laughs> Yeah, she's really uh, laying it uh, laying it all down for her job at Secret Hearts. The Emmy, he, Greg is gonna. I, I bet Greg's gonna get an Emmy for this, and he's gonna be like, "I would like to thank everyone." And then he gets off the stage, and Lena's like, "You didn't thank me." <laughs> everyone but Lena. My brain exploded. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> Uh, okay, so where did we leave off? We, I think we uh, left off at uh, Lena's mother-in-law having the FBI a dossier on her. Yes, that's right, because Lena applied to the FBI, uh, but they were like, why doesn't she have a pass? And Supergirl's like, this is why. Uh, <laughs> and narked on Lena uh, and gave them that uh, dossier about uh, being related to Lex, which Lena's mother-in-law then brought to the hospital. Lena really doesn't, can can never, never get a moment's peace in any of, <laughs> in any of these stories. <laughs> um, remember that deal that Supergirl wanted to make with Greg? We're now back to that. So we're sailing <laughs> on the Staten Island Ferry. Imagine it. Picture it, if you will. <laughs> the, the sights, the sounds, the seagulls. Uh, so <laughs> we're on the ferry. So Greg can meet up with BlackRock to give him the blueprints. Now, obviously, there's a twist here because Supergirl is, like, allowing this to happen. Uh, <laughs> after handing them over, BlackRock pushes Greg who cannot swim into the water for betraying him. This is pretty harsh for Greg. <laughs> Greg is having a pretty bad day. I also uh, want to make a note about the gosh. visuals here in the comic that black rock has a trench coat and a hat on. It's a, it's a great disguise. <laughs> you would never know. You would never know. He, it's black so, rock. He's still got that like pink slash purplish uh, <laughs> like mask. <a> mask on. <laughs> 
the trench coat is covering no him up. No one will see me now. <laughs> he can create a uh, selective amnesia uh, for people, but here but, he's but just chosen is, to this go is undercover. This a better disguise, really. <laughs> So Greg's now in the water, Splosh. He is in quite some trouble. Uh, but thankfully, Supergirl flies in and fishes Greg out of the drink and grabs the blueprints. To get the blueprints, Blackrock follows Supergirl into the Lincoln Tunnel. Oh, no, so much traffic. Uh, <laughs> This is not going to make somebody's evening commute any better, let me tell you. <laughs> They're several hundred feet below the Hudson River, where his body rematerialized thanks to Blackrock being powerless, where broadcast signals don't reach. The Power Stone converts radio and TV waves from the atmosphere into raw power. One of the things I don't like about some of these like uh, early 80s comics is they they went so hard on like the scientific thing they wanted to really make you understand what was happening and i'm like that's it's too complicated for me i can't keep i can't keep up with that stuff just just say that like he can't use his powers here that's fine i don't I know, know just why have it be like timey wimey logic we're all gonna go with it we don't care i don't care about the the broadcast signals and the power stone and the, i don't what it's too much lena has esp and she's writing uh she's ghostwriting a soap opera <laughs> Like we're all we're with you. Keep it simple. I I can't keep up with all this. You don't have to have it grounded in reality. It's not. <laughs> He's a particle man who comes out of the TV. <laughs> Um, so Supergirl unmasks Blackrock to reveal that he is Dr. Sil Peter Silverstone, UCB's director of research and development, who wanted the 3D TV plan so he could come up with a competitive version before GBS could get theirs on the market. It so goes all the way to the top. Just corporate espionage. <laughs> like the most boring version of how this could have turned out. He was like, we're going to make all the profits this quarter, Supergirl. <laughs> he like gets out a PowerPoint slide. He's like, let me show you my deck. <laughs> this is something I can understand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I get this. Yeah. <laughs> Evil corporate people. Yeah. That makes more sense in my daily life. <laughs> Um, so Supergirl informs Greg that the only way for him to stay alive and out of jail is through his legal testimony to help bust Sal's operation for good. In exchange, Greg will be granted immunity from prosecution and relocate it with a new identity under the DA's Witness Protection Program, canceling his TV writing career and his run on Secret Hearts. So this right. is actually quite, quite sad. Yeah, well, Greg is... Not gonna Although, have to deal with the the debt, yeah, and he probably I mean, won't get killed by like mobsters. That's great. I mean, but that's one of those things are great. Well, on the other hand, he's missing out on soap opera writing. Yeah, that's gonna be a downer. Like, what what job? Like the, his next job, his like witness protection job. <laughs> it's not gonna be as fun as soap no, opera writer. No. <laughs> And also, he was barely even doing that job. <laughs> he Lena never showed up doing to that job. <laughs> he was busy, he was too busy taking Linda out. Uh, yeah, so spending all his money on those sports tickets and <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Open seats and stuff. So maybe soap opera writing is not something he really cares about. Maybe, maybe that it wasn't was just his feeding real his gambling addiction. I think so. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be fine somewhere else, heating up his little pizza rolls, his tostinos, <laughs> so in some other city. Um, so the issue ends with an update on Lena's condition. 
she has had a miracle breakthrough. Uh, Mrs. Colby hasn't told Val about his mother being Lex Luthor's sisters yet, but Lena awakens in her hospital room thinking she has the weirdest dream that Lex Luthor is her brother. Hmm. Wait, she doesn't remember? Oh, no. Yeah, she no. This is not something she knows. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. It gets, it gets pretty crazy. Uh, wanting to get herself out of bed to get herself together lena looks into a mirror and notices that her head is shaved from an operation now she can see the family resemblance she wonders if it's true can she really be lex luther's sister dun 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 (laughs) (laughs) my my question is uh what did she where did she think that esp powers (laughs) <laughs> I have a lot of questions about her, like, not knowing. <laughs> and also, did she just uh, make the connection because of the bald head? You think? I think or, so. Or she was like, like, I see I'm something bald. inside myself now. He's bald? <laughs> we are related? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like looking into my brother's eyes. <laughs> it's all coming back to her now. That's what's happening. <laughs> So Lena is suspicious. Uh, so let's get into the Superman family number 214. At the beginning of a story titled The Strange Revenge of Lena Luther. So Supergirl shouldn't have knocked her out. <laughs> <laughs> Supergirl goes to visit Lena at home, but Lena feels like Supergirl has betrayed her, which she has, well, by keeping yeah. this big secret about Lex Luthor being her big brother. So she has figured this out. <laughs> betrayed she her knows, in a couple ways. <laughs> <laughs> she knows that Lex is her brother now. And Lena's not taking any of this well. She is concerned that she and her husband might have passed on a bad seed to Val her son and mm-hmm. might have created another evil genius that she thinks that this is all dna related <laughs> lena's emotions become physical anger because her neurosurgery go- gave her telekinesis powers and she causes her to crash oh, no. things in the room things are flying all around in the room because she's she's getting angry at supergirl <laughs> the reader of this issue is told that lena's esp powers though are gone what? she's gained telekinesis powers but her esp powers no more twist and it should also be mentioned that as a result of lena's surgery alina has lost part of her memory and has forgotten conveniently that lena danvers is supergirl so she no longer what a convenient twist (laughs) (laughs) knows that linda danvers is supergirl and so that means that lena may be angry with supergirl for betraying her which she did but she as <laughs> but she isn't mad at Linda. So there is a distinction between the two for Lena at this current time. She's like, you know what I love best about Linda? How she's never betrayed me. <laughs> <laughs> Linda has never kept secrets from me. <laughs> so uh, so she's cool with Linda at this time. So to try and help explain some things, because Lena's upset about the whole Lex Luthor's her brother thing, Supergirl (laughs) has arranged a closed-circuit TV conference with Lex. And this is kind of like a modern-day Zoom meeting, I think. It looks like it, yeah. Yeah. So after the, quote, two-way communication is established via the specially designed television with built-in microphone, unquote, because they've got to explain how this technology exists, Lex tells Lena that he only kept their relation secret because he wanted to spare her the shame he's doing it for her he's keeping the secret from you for your own good what a good brother i mean (laughs) he did give her esp powers by electrocuting her with a big brain in a jar but (laughs) he felt bad about it he did feel bad (laughs) he felt some shame about it lena's still pretty mad about all of this though (laughs) and and the reason is is that everyone in her life knew the secret but lena which seems like a, a a 
a thing that happens to Lena Luther quite a bit in various <laughs> incarnations. Really <laughs> so this is right up uh, the, uh, the road for uh, Lena Luther. She is the one person who had the right to know this, but she didn't. Lena's doctors think that Lex's lab experiment caused the aneurysm, I guess, just many years later, that resulted in her stroke. So the Lena's doctors are like, I think this has something to do with that experiment. So they're uh -oh. just they're pinning it on that. And because she didn't remember it, there was no way for her to prevent it, which I can see why she's upset about this. <laughs> yeah. She, Lena almost died because people didn't tell her the truth. <laughs> Maybe she could have prevented this if she got some something. checkups and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So as far as Lena is concerned, nothing has changed. She tells Lex, quote, it's just as I always believed. I have no brother, unquote. So she is still disowning Lex. She's not going to have anything to do with him at this time. Meanwhile, Supergirl is participating in the annual United Volunteers Telethon. So this is something that Supergirl does. You know, she goes around and does Supergirl things. Even though Linda Danvers isn't shooting Secret Hearts today, she must have the day off, I guess. Supergirl still goes to a TV studio anyway. She's uh, making her home in TV studios these days to make a personal appeal for donations to help starving refugees. That's a very nice thing for Supergirl to do, to volunteer her time uh, to help these starving refugees. Now, 20 minutes before she is supposed to go on television, Supergirl sits down in the makeup chair. She's going to have her makeup done. She notices that the makeup, uh, though, uh, she's a little concerned about the makeup because it has a greenish tint to it, which for Supergirl <laughs> raises some concerns. Why is this green? Uh, she is familiar enough with TV makeup to know that something is wrong. The makeup artist who says she is hired help and is just posing as the makeup artist, she's admitting to this, admits that there is kryptonite dust in the makeup and Supergirl starts to feel weak. So uh, the, the greenish tint to the makeup <laughs> is in fact kryptonite dust. <laughs> This fake makeup artist uses also uh, has a, a paralysis ray uh, on hand, apparently. On uh, and she uses the paralysis ray on Supergirl to make her arms and legs feel heavy as lead and make it so that she starts to feel sleep, uh, sleepy. So Supergirl's been affected by kryptonite and she's uh, basically uh, feeling paralysis uh, through this paralysis ray that this this uh, intro <laughs> this opposer as this uh, makeup lady. Um, has used on her now this is a side note before we continue on with the story but supergirl radio got a comment on instagram this past week from a user named at enemy of the shoe who wrote quote i only have a few of these superman family issues did linda danvers have a professional hair and makeup person while working in television it wouldn't take long to discover that linda is wearing a wig unquote <laughs> so true. it appears that in this issue linda danvers uh, I think may have been doing her own makeup on Secret Hearts. So uh, maybe if she was doing her own makeup, maybe she was doing her own hair as well. And that would explain why nobody has discovered her uh, secret identity because of that. So budgets were tight on Secret Hearts. So. <laughs> <laughs> you do your own hair and makeup. So that may be something that she chose to do so that nobody would figure out who she is. But uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that if that ever comes up in a story. But as far as I gather right now, she's doing her own stuff. So continuing on with the story. When Supergirl wakes up, she learns that the fake makeup artist was hired by Lex Luthor. And he has taken her to a room covered in fluorescent panels and artificial light that has the same wavelengths as Krypton's red sun, nullifying her powers. Or so Lex claims. 
Supergirl figures out that Lex used a strobe light to hypnotize her and make her think she'd lost her powers. So she thought because of the red light that she had lost her powers, but actually she had them the whole time. They were in, they were huh. all, they were in her all along. <laughs> she still had the powers. She was just sort of tricked into thinking she had lost them. So uh, Supergirl thinks that this is, this is all a very strange situation because a genius like Lex Luthor ought to be able to take away her powers for real. Lex is a genius. Uh, he, he, if he wanted to take away Supergirl's powers, he could probably do it. And she's right in this case. The man she thought was Lex Luthor was only wearing a Lex Luthor mask. I guess people have those uh, laying around. And so this guy was wearing a Lex Luthor mask posing as Lex Luthor. So this Lex Luthor imposter... Uh, as well as a Supergirl double on his team, are members of a conspiracy and elite band of conmen known as the SCTF, or Super Crime Task Force, Ooh. to drive Lena insane. This is their oh, goal. This is a whole plan just to drive <laughs> Lena crazy? They are also involved in hoaxing Lena into believing that she had telekinesis. So that telekinesis power that we thought she had uh, uh, developed after her surgery, she, that was not real. What? But they, how, how could they do that, though? <laughs> They, they they hoaxed her like they were pulling things and making They're sure that like, like things Lena. were falling off and crashing. Lena's like, uh, I really want the remote. And then they're like, all right, guys, get the remote to her. Like, <laughs> there's like a, a visible wire on it. And she's like, I have telekinesis. <laughs> it was post-surgery. She was probably a little loopy. So she probably bought whatever they were doing. So she doesn't really have telekinesis. And they also tricked her into believing that she killed her close friend, Supergirl. So uh, <laughs> that's that, not very nice. That's pretty traumatizing. Um, so the criminals have really done a number on Lena. And they did all of this to get back at Lena's FBI agent husband, who sent them to jail. Ah. Uh, Lex, meanwhile, apologizes to Lena for talking about their relationship to Sam, his cellmate and member of the SCTF. So the whole oh, reason this, <laughs> all, the whole reason all of this is happening is they're trying to get back at uh, Lena's FBI agent husband, and uh, this is because uh, Sam, Lex's cellmate, was a member of this group. So that's he, he's kind of the ringleader of it. Uh, this uh, issue ends in sort of a, a positive way, I guess. Lex uh, takes responsibility for what happened uh, with all of this uh, stuff with this criminal organization and, the, and you know, Lena's hoaxing and all of this, uh, which leads to Lex and Lena patching up their differences. So maybe hmm. brother and sister are uh, having a better relationship now. That's that's really touching. Although, how like mad would you be if you thought you had telekinesis, which is a very cool power, and then, <laughs> then it turns out you didn't. You're like, oh my god, I was so excited. <laughs> I was gonna finally put up that shelf I've been meaning to. <laughs> <laughs> I had plans. You can't really do that with the ESP powers. No, you can't. You're just like, oh, he's thinking about a hamburger. <laughs> She's like, finally a useful one. <laughs> so cruel. I can see how that would be disappointing. Um, so that takes us to Superman family number 215. And this is our final issue in this part. Ooh, okay. Uh, so at the beginning of this issue, titled Crisis at the Crossroads in Time. Uh, <laughs> ooh, okay. Uh, Supergirl spots a noisy protest group known as the Righteous Knights riding through New York City. It's <laughs> a great band name. It does sound like a great band name. Have you have you checked out the newest song from the Righteous Knights? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're wondering if this is Knights with a K, 
you to be right. This group wears night armor and rides horses, which seems weird, uh, since plans <laughs> to convert a loft building into a Montessori school were announced. Supergirl figured the knights would target it for a torching. I'm so sorry. What are they? <laughs> I'm so sorry. What are they protesting? Why are they mad that they're turning it into a school? I, you know, that's a good they question. Hate Montessori. The uh, the issue just uh, kind of makes them out to be this like a uh, like a just like a group that's angry causing for, chaos. Yeah, we're just so angry about Montessori schools. I mean, maybe maybe they believe that like they that everything was better in the medieval times. <laughs> maybe and, like, you know what they didn't have in medieval times? <laughs> Montessori. <laughs> How dare you? People should not be educated. Uh, shouldn't go to school. That was not something they did back then. Get and out the, of that school, you peasants! They yell <laughs> in their knight armor. Uh, uh, unfortunately, I don't think the issue really delves into that. It just says <laughs> these people are uh, uh, a rowdy bunch. They don't like the school, and so they're gonna like burn it down. I feel like I just I I just can't like I have so many follow-up questions that the issue is not interested in answering I want to know more about the righteous knights why are they on horses (laughs) why do they have armor why Why not I guess why not (laughs) they're like listen we just do us okay and this is what we love uh and I'd hate to take that away from them um but I think Supergirl's going to uh because they're gonna torch that school so the, the righteous knights successfully set off a bomb guys it's not that serious <laughs> why, I, why, why are knights using bombs though i don't that, that's that's anachronistic that's, guys. that's not on brand <laughs> that's not any better than the montessori school <laughs> uh cracked open by the blast and a mobile figure on the building's ground floor dressed in futuristic garb is revealed so now there's like a futuristic person and there's knights so i'm excited about where this is going well the title did suggest there was a timey-wimey stuff in here. <laughs> they're gonna have to fight to the death now um <laughs> so the figure shimmers fades and vanishes only to be replaced by another oddly clad prisoner equally immobile um but soon long unused muscles strain for life and the figure starts to move. The body begins to change into a dark, uh, vis- viscous? Uh, yeah, viscous, maybe. Um, that dissipates just as Supergirl arrives to make repairs to the building. A lot of these characters mm. in these issues have, like, particle things, and they're dissipating, and they're uh, dis- dis- uh, disintegrating. A lot of these characters are, like, disappearing. They, Interesting. They they do this a lot in these issues. I don't know what the fascination is with these characters like disappearing and disintegrating and but made of particles. I don't I don't really understand it. Um, it looks like Mark says in the chat, um, that their their reasonings was was in the panel they showed. They're against daycare because it allows women to go to work instead of staying home raising their kids. That's right. They're That's sexist right. knights. <laughs> <laughs> Did not see that coming. Okay, good, good, Supergirl. You should definitely beat them up. <laughs> you know, you know what Greta Gerwig would say about that? Patriarchy. Patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> good catch, Mark. I've forgotten Supergirl. about that. <laughs> That's insane. Uh, okay, so over at GBS, Linda Danvers meets with Secret Hearts producer 
Alan Ward, who tells her that the show got a pickup and there will be 25 more weeks of your basic weeping, wailing, and teeth gnashing. That's all the best stuff in a soap opera. Amazing. Alan tells Linda that ever since she came on the show as Margot Hatton, it's been a smash hit. Uh, this issue makes a note to the reader that the reason we haven't gotten a lot of follow-up on Secret Hearts business lately is because the show has been on its mid-season hiatus. I love that touching in on that little bit of realism. It's like, <laughs> I know you've been wanting more Secret Hearts, but it's on hiatus. Also, soap operas never take a hiatus. What is what is this is she talking about? They they air like every day almost all the year long. Uh, They're like it's the union rules. What are we going to do? <laughs> And I don't know if Alan Ward can uh, attribute Secret Hearts's newfound uh, ratings hike to Linda, although I'm sure she's a great actress. But we can't forget about the Mind Bombers' fantastic storytelling. That that is true. The Mind Bomber, Bomber really had something. He was <laughs> so talented. People go to soap operas for the storytelling and the, the narratives that, that are being spun. So I feel like the Mind Bomber really needs should, some credit. We should put some respect on the Mind Bomber. <laughs> <laughs> We 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 have to we have to acknowledge his talent. <laughs> R.I.P. to the mind. R.I.P. Uh, since Greg Gilbert went into witness protection, Secret Hearts has hired nope. new head writers, Herb and Marilyn Silver. This married couple used to be the head writers for Memorial Hospital, the number one soap on the air. Is it Herb or Herb? It's Herb, right? I would think Herb, like Herbert. I'm, I'm pronouncing it like like herbs, like, like you cook with. <laughs> no, I think it's, uh, I would say Herb. It's got to be Herb, right? Okay. That's, that's what makes sense. Uh, Herb and Marilyn asked Alan Ward to do some audience tests, which told them that the audience love Linda Danvers, the actress, but that they think Margot Hatton, her character, is boring. Uh-oh. Mm. The new head writers want to make Margot the show's new bad girl <laughs> which does sound awesome well I, she was hired to be the the new shrew she was hired show. to be a shrew <laughs> <laughs> she shouldn't so, be surprised by this so i don't think linda is the problem i think the writing is the problem which it sounds has, like it. it has been a problem because greg had a gambling addiction and he wasn't there's really a lot it. of behind the scenes and then drama. and then lena went to the hospital so the writing is probably suffered could you bit. imagine like reading like the behind the scenes book about uh <laughs> secret hearts and it's like when when things got a little weird behind the scenes it was because the mind bomber had just <laughs> had just died r.i.p and then greg went into witness protection and then lena's head exploded it turns out lena actually was writing the the story the whole time but uh but then she lost her esp and then she gained telekinesis but then she <laughs> lost telekinesis and then she found out she was related to lex luther so now she's in a lot of therapy and she doesn't have time for this it's a it's a soap within a soap <laughs> it's a soap within a soap i love it um <laughs> interrupting this important secret hearts meeting is a villain calling himself Toxus, who happens to be the oddly clad and previously immobile character from the building explosion. Uh, the police suspect that Toxus was at the annual flower show at the Coliseum in search of some roses, blue ribbon hybrids worth big bucks. Wow, Toxus, come on. Uh, you can you can do better than stealing some roses from a flower show. Set your maybe, set your sights higher. Maybe he's also lost some money at a poker game from maybe. Sal's casino. He's like the thing you don't know about Toxus is that I love flowers. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's like he goes up he's like oh man is that is that a rare lily stick <laughs> talks to sal <laughs> what what a what a terrifying villain he is <laughs> Uh, so Toxus gets into a skirmish with Supergirl and the police, firing some sort of gas from nozzles in his gloves, evading them by transmuting his body's molecule structure and exiting unnoticed through an air duct as if he was a wisp of smoke. Uh, Supergirl doesn't think that technology that Toxus uses comes from Earth, at least from present day or mm. oh dun 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 uh toxins can filter out the component toxic substances and air pollution and use them in any way that he chooses which uh can also include altering the molecular structure of the elements he manipulates so See wait. what i'm talking about like i don't need to know any of this stuff <laughs> this is this is too much so it's pollution that is to blame uh, for yeah, toxins though yeah pollution yeah he's connected to pollution so okay so everybody get those low emission cars <laughs> we can we can get rid of toxins we can defeat him <laughs> everyone's vegan now this will come into play oh my god yes i'm so excited i'm so excited we're gonna save the city we're gonna get rid of the pollution could you imagine is is this happening in la by the way this is new york right this is new york oh in la he'd be so strong (laughs) he'd be unstoppable uh so more trouble is brewing for supergirl at a seedy west side hotel when a silhouetted man had phone conversation with an unidentified person with the hive about wanting to take another shot at supergirl but the issue tells us the maid of might won't learn the identity of this sinister schemer or confront him for quite some time yet which is just as well right now she doesn't need another headache yeah, um, Supergirl's got a lot going on. So they're like setting up storylines for the future now. <laughs> yes, they're yes. like, don't worry about this now, but later. <laughs> Even <laughs> though it's like, if you're going to put it in there, you need to pay that off. Yeah, like, like me- who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, keep us updated, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll find out about this guy uh, in the next issue. In the in maybe in the next in our next episode in our next installment. Dun dun dun. <laughs> uh, so that headache comes in the form of another supergirl uh so linda comes uh, fist to face with the other supergirl punches her while investigating the building toxis escaped from um so this supergirl calls linda sister and claims to be supergirl from her distant future this future supergirl won't answer linda's questions about what the what future awaits her uh must be hers so yeah this future Supergirl won't answer Linz's questions because what future awaits her must be hers to discover without foreknowledge. But she does tell her that the building that they're in has a time warp inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seems like it's important information. I yeah. like how people from the future are like, We're, we shouldn't tell you anything. You don't I need to know about your future. I can't tell you anything about the future, but like Apple stock. Wink. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> Um, so it, the, the building they're in has a time warp inside of it that links their respective eras created by an outlaw named Tal Balok or Belloc maybe, or Belloc maybe, uh, who while is a 20th century man is also from the future Supergirl's time period. This is getting very it's, complicated. It's, it's so much. I it's have much. a headache now too. Just like <laughs> Lena. <laughs> 
Is <laughs> this one this episode like finally does me in? It's like, oh God, she couldn't take it. <laughs> her, her brain exploded, just like Lena's. <laughs> um uh the future supergirl tells Linda that she needed Superman's help to defeat uh tall belloc and uh, because some of her powers are weaker than linda's together future supergirl and superman stunted toxis long enough to permit her to bring him to her era where he could be imprisoned superman doesn't remember helping future supergirl of or toxis because she erased his recollection with super hypnotism at his request consent matters because he too too understands the perils of knowing the future this is Uh, the first i've heard of super hypnotism i know about super ventriloquism but supergirl can just like hypnotize people i guess as well that's a new one that's a new one she's got so many powers yeah um within half an hour the supergirl from the future has made the situation clear to her 20 20th century counterpart and they make a deal linda will tackle uh Tal Balak in future Supergirl's time period while future Supergirl takes on Toxis in the present day. As long as secret identities are maintained, of course. Of course. Of course. This is very important. This listen, it's... this is a like a quid pro quo situation. <laughs> so like, they're having like a handshake deal, I'm assuming. The secret identity is a pretty high priority item though for this for this. Oh, situation. yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh with that, Linda Danvers steps through the time warp and across millennia. Uh, to make sure we've gotten this straight, <laughs> Linda recounts what she has learned. Uh, always good to recap, you know, yeah. for people in case you're not following along. There's a lot of things happening. It's a very timey one. So much happening. Um, the last time her future counterpart battled Belloc, she imprisoned him in the 20th century, then imprisoned Toxis in her own era. Uh, 500,000 years later, Toxus was imprisoned in the place Linda winds up in through the time warp because in this far future, there is no pollution and nothing for him to manipulate. Ah. They did it! They figured out pollution! <laughs> I feel like we need to get like the we did it banner and put it out. Mission yeah, accomplished. Mission accomplished! <laughs> pollution is gone! <laughs> oh, man. Um, apparently, the place Linda has ended up in through her time warp adventure is new york city 500,000 years in the future or at least what is left of it uh-oh yeah so this is not the best outcome there was a devil's bargain to get rid of all that pollution <laughs> i guess <laughs> um uh supergirl can only gape in astonishment at the sweltering volcanic landscape beneath her and the hovering cities overhead Oh my gosh. She wonders how many disasters the earth has had to survive to produce so staggering a change. I'm not a hundred percent clear as to why the cities are hovering though. <laughs> no, that's, am I. that's something I don't fully understand <laughs> at this point, but I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, sure. Let's the cities are hovering. Everything is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Linda sees floating cities built atop chunks of uh, igneous rock and can't seem to control her flying power. Is it possible that there have been changes in Earth's mass and its gravity is lighter now? Linda also noticed that there is an orange sun, which she thinks means that over the years, the sun has cooled. It's become less intense than the yellow sun of her era, but it won't nullify her powers like a red sun would. However, it might weaken them. Oh, so she's going to have like the exact same problem as the other. Yeah, so the, that's why the future Supergirl is a little weaker. Yeah, but it's like. Uh, it, 
uh, okay, but as soon as our Supergirl goes to this this reality, she'll get a little weaker. So yeah. aren't we in the exact same place? I feel like they could have just stayed in their time. Yeah, and just tried again. Maybe I would have been. I would have been so mad if I had done the switch and I discovered this. I'd be like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> Now I got to deal with all of this. I didn't sign up for this. That was a bad handshake deal. Well, maybe the future Supergirl is like, I tried to deal with this and I couldn't do it. Maybe this other Supergirl is better than me. That's and true. Maybe, maybe, maybe our Supergirl is going to fix it and figure it She's out. It's like, I watched those reruns of Secret Hearts. I think this Supergirl's got a real, a real something special about her. While in this era, Toxus finds Linda and our Supergirl realizes that he can manipulate molten rock the way he controls pollution. He's powerless in 20th century New York, where there are no volcanoes. But here, 500,000 years in the future, Toxus is deadly. Uh-oh. So I, I think that's right. I think that's what the uh, the issue said. But yeah. so 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 in one reality, he's like all about pollution. But he can also manipulate lava. So, what what have they accomplished by switching? I his, guess is what I'm trying to figure out. His powers are also not super clear. No, I'm not real clear on kind of what he does. He can like materialize things or something. He can manipulate things. So I don't. Oh. I don't know. I'm again. This is one of those things where I feel like less is more. Yeah, they tried to do too much with the science mumbo jumbo. And so, I get lost in it. So I'm going to pitch out a story idea, which okay. is that future Supergirl is evil. And Ooh. she it was like, my reality is terrible. <laughs> there, while there is no pollution, the sun is so weak. It's always chilly. I always have to wear a heavy cardigan. It doesn't look good with the outfit. Uh, I hate these floating cities. I hate all this lava. But you know when it was great? the 80s everybody was wearing <laughs> spandex everything was so bright i'm going back to the 80s i'm gonna convince that i'm gonna convince that rube supergirl <laughs> to switch with me for to save the world and then i am gonna get on my lycra and do a jane fonda workout tape i'm gonna live in a uh, super violent new york city but i'm gonna be on a soap opera <laughs> but i'm gonna be i'm gonna be famous <laughs> The sun is bright. It's uh, I can take off my sweater now. Yeah, I I see this as being a better deal for the future Supergirl. It's definitely a better deal. Like, <laughs> the other Supergirls like my powers don't work and, <laughs> while I can breathe clean air. To what purpose? <laughs> um. So back in 1981, Manhattan, the future Supergirl or the eel supergirl oh, we're just gonna go with that's wait, our headcanon <laughs> <laughs> is learning how to live as linda danvers and have a secret identity the doorbell bing bongs and entering the apartment are the new head writers for secret hearts remember how our linda was only going to go to the future if future super supergirl maintained linda's secret identity well future supergirl has already blown it Great job. <laughs> well, oh, when opening the door to the Silvers, she rips the door right off its hinges. She isn't used to her strength being so much greater in this era. The head writers conclude that only one woman alive could do that. Supergirl. What has future Supergirl done? Narked a certain maid of mine's secret identity into a cocked hat, that's what. And there are dozens more pitfalls in store for both Supergirls next time on Supergirl Radio. 
So that takes us to the end of part two of our Secret Hearts series covering the Superman family, 212 through 215. So we are uh, leaving the story of the two Supergirls having switched places. (laughs) And uh, we'll have to pick up next time to uh, find out (laughs) what future Supergirl is going to do to completely ruin our Supergirl's life, it looks like. Future Supergirl isn't a very good actress. <laughs> well, they'll oh, because they did mention that Secret Hearts was like up in the yeah. ratings. Yeah. Like what what if she comes back on and, and the audience is like, This is not the shrew I know. <laughs> this, this actress sucks. I don't like her. What happened to her? <laughs> yeah, so uh I think that's something that maybe uh our supergirl should have prepared the future supergirl for. Like it feels like who- if we make this switch, do you have acting ability? Have you studied? Have you? Are you classically trained? <laughs> well, actually, we're on hiatus, so maybe it's not. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a, a a way to get her to be part of the Linda's life without having to go on TV. <laughs> uh, this has been wild. Uh, <laughs> learned so much. Some great Supergirl mythology here in these Superman uh, family issues. So, Ben, lots of fun. So, we'll we'll do one more episode on uh, our Secret Hearts three-parter. So, we'll cover uh, the next issues and uh, wrap it up. And if we discover that there are uh, other Secret Hearts uh, mentions... We'll, mm. we'll, we'll maybe bring it back. But for right now, we're only doing the three-part series. Uh, so this is ending part two, and we will uh, conclude with part three next time around. In the meantime, Morgan, uh, we have some feedback. Would you like to uh, get to that for us? Sure. We have an email from Mark who writes, Hi, ladies. I have a few thoughts about a couple of your recent episodes. Um, so first, regarding your co- uh, coverage of Superpowered, the DC story, uh, Major Wheeler Nicholson, uh, the founder of DC, has a living granddaughter who is an actress. I'd love to see her get a cameo in one of the upcoming DCU projects, assuming the family hasn't sworn to hate DC forever. <laughs> it feels well, like the least they can do. I feel like that would be a pretty good get if they could. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, you mentioned how one of the people who ran DC during the Golden Age had come to them from publishing racy magazines. Mm-hmm. If we then skip ahead to the late 1960s, DC was owned by a sketchy New York parking company that was eventually bought by Steve Ross, becoming the foundation of Warner Communications. If we put those facts together, the magazines in the 1930s and the parking company, it seems likely that the ownership of DC, the company that brought us truth, justice, and the American way, had some level of involvement by people I won't describe too precisely because I don't want Morgan's mom to be all up in my social media accusing me of defaming Italian-Americans. Goodness. We're not not all in the mob, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, Mom, didn't you know some people who were in the mob? She's like, well, yes, I did, but... Mark says, personally, I'd love to see that story of DC ownership in the 1940s and 50s told. That would be, I think that's a great documentary. I think that's another one that you could churn out that would be really interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if either of you have seen it, but there is a documentary on Hulu titled Batman and Bill. I actually have seen that, yeah. Oh, have you? I haven't Mm -hmm. seen this. Maybe we we could uh, Patreon. Yes, that could be fun. Yes, it could be a movie review that we do. 
Yeah, I love that because yeah. I I was really interested in that in the documentary, and obviously they didn't. They spent a good amount, a little bit of time on it, but yeah, as much as they could spend on anything in the that documentary, <laughs> um, they, had, they had to get to the video games. They they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, that tells the story of the fight to get Bill Finger an official credit for the creation of Batman. Definitely worth watching. And I did find out that uh, Batman uh, v Superman was not the first time uh, the with Bill Finger credit appeared, although it is the first feature film to have it. Thank I you knew- for that correction, Mark. Mm. I had forgotten about this. So, yes, that is correct. Uh, he says, I knew Gotham had had it before that. And according to this page, uh, its first appearance on that show was trumped by a robot chicken special that ran on Cartoon Network just after midnight on the morning of the day that the credit also appeared on Gotham. Oh, so they like robot chicken got in there just like under a, the like wire. A, like a campaign. So I'll I'll include this link that Mark sent us uh, in the YouTube description and also in the audio podcast description as well so that people can reference it. I, I just want to bring up this comment from Mind the Gap, who says there were there was rumors the mob was involved in Marvel comics publishing. Also, what what did the mob have to gain from comic books? The mob has given us so much. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Soprano, Marvel and DC. <laughs> Everyone's just too hard on the mob. I always say. <laughs> Uh, Mark goes on to say, now related to Secret Hearts and Supergirl soap opera actress career, I can't really speak to soaps in any capacity, but I was surprised to hear that Superman Family was still publishing in the early 80s. I would have thought that that book would have died in the DC implosion and that those stories were in the new adventures of Supergirl instead. So color me surprised. Um, but while I can't really talk about soap operas, I can talk about something I remember well, New York Yankees brawls of the era. <laughs> yes, this is the kind of niche knowledge that we want and need. Uh, the author of that particular story didn't pull that out of thin air. There were a few buttes in my childhood. The first isn't really a brawl. It was the moment the Yankees won the 1977 World Series after having been swept 4-0 by Cincinnati the previous year. Reggie Jack Jackson, number 44, does what looks like some brawling as he runs for his life. (laughs) The second one is the brawl I most remember, the Red Sox and Yankees in 1976. That's so funny. I'm looking forward to hearing more of Secret Hearts and having Bill and Anne-Marie play the soap scenes is brilliant. Yes, they did a fantastic job. Uh, I guess, can you think we could pull up? Oh my these? God, there really wanted, are videos of the brawls. Do you, do you want do you want to see the brawls? I'll, I kind of do. I kind of do want to see the brawls. I'll see if I can uh, pull this up. Of course, we have to wait uh, for the ad to finish of course, playing. Of course. First. You got to get your ad before you yank <laughs> your vintage Yankees but, brawl. Uh, but yeah, so Mark did send us uh, the links to these uh, videos clips so we can uh go through them to to (laughs) see what they looked like here i believe let's see that should be full screen uh is my audio i turned the audio down so the normal baseball situation here all right looks like like catching the out winner and then uh things are not going so well Sportsmanship is not very good here. There's Reggie Jackson. Oh my god! It. He's oh my god! He's knocking somebody over. <laughs> Everybody out of the way. He's, he's running. He's Everybody stormed the field. Oh my god! I mean, there I guess some, he, somebody was uh, like chasing him with like a like a club. I would run too. <laughs> I mean, 
mean, I guess this is a World Series. It's a pretty big deal. But oh I mean, my God. calm down. Yeah, this has to be like this. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, the Yankees winning the World Series in 1977. So that was one of the brawls that Mark uh, mentioned. So the one that he most remembered was uh, the Red Sox and the Yankee Yankees when they emptied the benches and um, getting past the uh, – uh the ad, the ad here so that we can pull it back uh, gotta make that ad revenue <laughs> truly right. didn't know that there were this many brawls back then. <laughs> <laughs> i guess there was a time period maybe people uh were you know feeling a little agitated for some reason <laughs> They're the baseball brawls so, so this is red sox and yankees both right. of these involved the yankees you do what are you what were the yankees doing in the 70s <laughs> So somebody tried oh, to go oh, in already. There's a home plate. Oh, oh, oh there's punching. Okay. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Oh wow. Well, both teams have gotten out onto the field now. Now everyone's out there. Now everyone's kind of, kind of. I don't punching. feel like everybody okay. needs to be out there. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It feels like this is making it worse. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not really breaking up the fight. They're just kind of like looking at it. <laughs> just kind of looking at the fight. This is kind of like this one is not as exciting as the other. No, brawl, the think. other the other one was was great. There was like a lot of running. There was a lot of chaos. <laughs> Reggie Reggie Jackson's like pushing people out of the way. Reggie Jackson's like, I'm gonna live. <laughs> He's getting out of there. <laughs> Ooh, so the crowd is booing. Oh, the crowd is not happy. The crowd's like, fight, fight. So number 37 looks like he's been injured. He's uh -oh. he's really uh, favoring that left arm. Yeah, he is. I wonder if it's dislocated. Dislocation's the worst. I've dislocated Oof. my shoulder many times. Oh, that God. That's not that fun. sounds terrible. So I guess this one did result in... Ooh, uh, oh, 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 it's oh, not over back. yet. Oh, it's not over yet. <laughs> oh, okay, this is what I think of. I thought it was over. And then, yeah, this is I'm a like, better oh, brawl. that was just a fight. That was just a little fight. <laughs> no, this is... Now everyone's punching everybody else. Everybody is punching it, it, everybody in the face. You would think, like, the police would come in and separate them, like, break no, this up. No, no interest. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's really breaking this up. The adults are not in the room here. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Oh. I guess is it over yet? <laughs> the announcers like don't oh, know. That poor guy it. is like he something is not right with that guy. <laughs> Num poor number 37. Oh man. So I think that's pretty much the uh the the Cur ending of the What, what an there. MLB moment. Yeah. <laughs> I like that it's like the official mlb.com is who uh, <laughs> uploaded that. I do think it's interesting because we we did cover uh Fred Fox of Sports Report. He's he's uh using this machine to uh cause these athletes to do weird things during these sporting events and one of them is a uh a fight that breaks out at a baseball game. And uh, in these two examples that Mark sent us, uh, both involve the Yankees. So our Supergirl stories take place in New York. And, uh, and here, uh, the New York Yankees really... Uh, they did really... seem a little fighty during that time period. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Yankees really uh, giving it their all during, with those brawls in the uh, 1970s. So thank you, Mark, for passing those <laughs> along for us to have a real-world connection to these comic book stories. So very good. All right. Well, I guess... Uh, oh, and Mark says oh in the gosh. chat... 
uh, the, the injured player was Bill Lee. It was, it was a dislocated shoulder oh. and that was his pitching. Arm. Oh no. I've That's dislocated. I've dislocated my shoulder four times. So I know, no. I know that look where oh, you're like, like uh oh, if I just hold it still, it won't hurt. <laughs> like, oh, I, no. I, I, I know that, I know that, uh, that pose. So that, that felt like a dislocation to me. Uh, that's very hard to watch. Uh, so thank you for the follow-up on that. Well, I guess, Morgan, uh, we have some snap judgments. Would you oh, like yeah, to make some? Yeah, we definitely should get there. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Okay. Our first snap judgment is who is the better villain the mind bomber or black rock for me the mind bomber had a little more presentation uh black rock was like i don't know why he was called black rock his, <laughs> no. his suit wasn't black i guess he had a rock he had like that power stone thingy but his suit didn't really reflect his name or his abilities I didn't think his branding was all that great, but the time, the mind bomber, he had, he had, he had mind powers. He did. He was using them, uh, to effectively write stories for secret hearts and like try to get Supergirl. So I feel like the mind bomber made more sense. And he also had, I feel like a little more, uh, presentation style and, uh, personality. So I'm going to go with the mind bomber. I'm also going to go with the mind bomber. I think he had some pizzazz, like you said, but I also think like, the the tragedy of the mind bomber which is like he was like he didn't think he was good at anything but he was really good <laughs> at being a soap opera writer and like that that is so beautiful and tragic and so i have to give it to the tragic tale of the mind bomber truly one of the more memorable dc comics <laughs> villains in my I, opinion i don't think we'll ever forget about him we never will forget him his beautiful beautiful stories <laughs> Okay, which secret was a more shocking reveal? Lena being Lex Luthor's sister or Greg being a compulsive gambler? I, hmm, this is tough because Lena does resemble Lex Luthor because they both don't have any hair. So that should have <laughs> been mm, a giveaway. A <laughs> but uh, I didn't see the uh, the gambling thing coming from Greg. Gambling uh, was a surprise. I feel like he he could have just been a slacker who didn't go to work or didn't do his job. <laughs> the gambling debt. That was Gamb surprising. I, th I think I'm going to go Greg here. I, I am torn, but I think I'm going to go Lena because I feel like if you think about it a little bit, you can kind of see like this, like the crumb, the breadcrumbs towards <laughs> Greg's gambling addiction and that he's like really into sports. Like really <laughs> true, into sports. true. All he's doing is taking her to different sporting events, probably because he's got money on the outcome. True. It's like, yeah, it was like one of those things where it's like a, it's like a thinker where like now you think back and you go, Oh, <laughs> that's what's go that was going on. They were they were foreshadowing. I think it was <laughs> check off sporting event. <laughs> uh, so I have to go with Lena uh, because that did kind of come out of nowhere when she had to have her head shaved. It's like Lex Luthor, I see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for her, from her perspective, pretty shocking stuff. Shocking for her, for she, sure. She did not know. Everybody else knew, but she did not know. She so, she sure did. Everyone else was well aware, though, <laughs> including the FBI. 
<laughs> Important to know that the FBI has known this whole time. <laughs> Which would probably also include her FBI husband. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, was oh, he still alive at this point? have to unpack a lot of that in therapy. She's, she's got a lot of betrayal issues. <laughs> she <there>. does. <laughs> okay. You're Supergirl. A Supergirl comes to you from the future and wants to swap lives and eras. Do you, A, agree to the switch and go 500,000 years into the future, or B, turn her down because you fear she's going to ruin your acting career on a daytime soap opera? I would be upset if she ruined my chances to be on a soap opera. That is a once in a lifetime chance. Yeah, uh, Linda, especially from her perspective, she had earned it. She had that fire and that passion that the, the theater producer was like, I need her to be my shrew. That all shrews and- need. <laughs> <laughs> and if the future Supergirl uh, botched that for her, I would be very upset. So I think I would stay and be like, this is my time to shine. I'm going to be on the soap opera. I'd be really curious about the future, but I feel like I, unlike Supergirl, would ask like a lot of follow-up questions. Like, <laughs> what's the future like? <laughs> Do you sell chocolate there? <laughs> How's the pollution level? Is the sun real bright or a little chilly? Am um, I also going to lose part of my powers? How is this plan going to work to both of our benefits? Because it feels like one of us is a little <laughs> bit disadvantaged in this deal. So I would also stay as a soap opera actress because I don't feel like future Supergirl is giving her a very good deal at all. But she told her that she couldn't divulge any information. So that was like her cover. Uh, like, sure. she's like yeah terrible actually <laughs> hope you don't get stuck there <laughs> yeah not a great deal i don't trust this future supergirl <laughs> uh okay mark sent us a snap related to absolutely nothing uh which of the following would you cast to play condiment king in live action gordon ramsay guy fieri or bobby flay well, this could be connected to maybe the superpower of the DC story or our, our uh, villains documentary that we watched. Yes. Is it Condiment King? Is he a villain? Yeah, I think he is. I, I mean, I, he's ridiculous, but yeah, I think so, technically he is a villain. <laughs> so maybe that's kind of related to some of the things we've been covering lately. Uh, I'm going to defer to you, Morgan. I don't know as much. Like, I don't know much. Mm. I know Gordon Ramsay and Guy Fieri. Yeah. But I don't know Bobby Flay. Tell me about yeah. Bobby Flay. Bobby Flay, he's got like a show that's called like Beat Bobby Flay. I'm sure he's known for other things, but that's the thing I mostly know him from. Where like other uh, chefs come on to see if they can beat Bobby Flay, if they can oh. like be better than Bobby Flay. Yeah. So Bobby Flay is not right for me for the Condiment King because obviously he is keeping it humble. He's willing to be beaten, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know who's not? Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> Has has like just the right uh like DC villain energy. He's fun. <laughs> he's over the top. He's going to scream at you. He's going to make sure that your movie is rated R because of all the f bombs. He can't keep it to just one. It's not, it's not possible for him. And I think he would be a great condiment king. He would also insult the condiments as he was like spraying them at you. Ketchup, pedestrian. He'd say as he sprayed you in the face. Ketchup. I think he'd be a great, great condiment king i think you sold me on gordon ramsay <laughs> i would enjoy that i actually recently saw a reel on instagram where gordon ramsay was watching this college kid make this uh like really fancy dinner in uh-huh. his dorm room 
And Gordon Ramsay was shocked. I can't remember what the, the dish was, but he was shocked that this kid pulled it off in his like dorm room kitchen. <laughs> uh, so I thought I found that endearing that he was like encouraging this college student. Uh, if you ever want to watch uh, the Gordon Ramsay extended universe, the <laughs> uh, GREU, if you will, mm -hmm. um, I, you have to watch uh, what's it called? It's like he has like the kid it's master chef junior and he it's all like little kids so like eight to like i don't know like 13 <laughs> they're very small and gordon ramsay has like a little bit of a temper and a mouth <laughs> on him <laughs> as you might expect so like it's so funny to see him like like be like what is this i wouldn't feed this to my dog and then he'll get down and he'll be like i think we can do better and i believe in you Ethan. <laughs> And then he'll like take the like uncooked chicken, like look the kid in the eye and then throw it. <laughs> it's incredible. It's so, it, it's so, uh, it, it's so endearing, but also very funny because he does yell at the children a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, Mind the Gap says uh, Condiment King was a comedian, so he has to be funny. So I, I feel yeah. like Gordon Ramsay is still blind. Gordon Ramsay is very funny. Yeah. I've, seen, I've seen those TikTok duets he does with people where he's like, what are you doing to that meat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think you've sold me on the Gordon Ramsay. I would also agree. Uh, I feel like we've just done a... some, some good casting for the DC. If they ever, if they ever want to take our advice. Now I'm going to be disappointed if he's not <laughs> cast as Connor McKee. <laughs> no judgments on your snap judgments. Well, that is going to do it for Superhero Radio. So we need to get to some Supergirl Radio and some DC TV podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired dc tv podcast also has a t public store so if you're in need of new dc tv related t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts onesies mugs notebooks pillows or stickers go to supergirlradio.com and click on the t public store link at the top of the page now see here supergirl radio is part of the dc tv podcast network so if you want to listen to other shows we've got the flash podcast legends of tomorrow podcast the lituation room dc on hbo max podcast star girl podcast superman and lois radio green lantern podcast the sandman podcast dc tv after dark and justice league dark podcast and since this Supergirl Radio had a big Lena Luther moments, uh, we have some Lena designs in the DC TV podcast T Public Store that we would love to suggest. Yeah, if you need some Lena Luther merch, check out the DC TV podcast T Public Store. Uh, we have got a lot of it, so uh, check it out if you are a big Lena Luther fan. Uh, and I should say, as are we, we are big yes. Lena Luther fans, so <laughs> so we enjoy it as well. So. 
Uh, we have a lot of cool designs in the store, so please give them a look if you would like to support the podcast. And you can support us uh, by joining the Supergirl Radio Patreon as one of our Legion of Super Sponsors. So uh, we'd like to thank uh, those folks now. Michael, Anne-Marie, uh, Yvonne, Quinn, Nicola, Abby, Mary, Nicole, Brian, Ethan, Danny, Majuba, and Lingenberry. Thank you for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. If you'd like to be doing that as well, you can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash Radio and become one of our supporters that way. Uh, you can also find me on several different places if you want to catch up with me personally. You can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I also have a YouTube channel that I occasionally will put up content for. Uh, you can find that at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I recently recorded a reaction video with some of my thoughts on the official trailer for the upcoming Zack Snyder film, Rebel Moon Part 1, Child of Fire. I'm going to be covering some Rebel Moon stuff. Unfortunately, uh, fortunately, unfortunately, I'm going to be on a cruise for Christmas uh, out in the, you know, the middle of the ocean. <laughs> so I will not be able to watch Netflix when uh, Rebel Moon uh, Part 1 comes out. So I'll have to catch it uh, after Christmas when we get back. So I probably won't have any Rebel Moon content until the end of December. Uh, but uh, if you want to check out some of the stuff that I'm going to be doing with Rebel Moon, uh, subscribe over there. I've actually also been... Uh, doing some rebranding for my personal YouTube channel. So a little uh, rethinking of the logo and such. Uh, so uh, that is uh, available to you if you want to check me out over there. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Mojotastic. And you can also uh, find me as a co-host on the Legendary Ladies podcast. Uh, you can find us uh, at the Legendary Ladies on uh, YouTube and uh, Instagram and at Legends underscore podcast on Twitter. And this week we are going to be talking about some music. We're going to be talking about the new albums from Renee Rapp and Fletcher. Uh, and honestly, I hadn't heard of Fletcher before. So that was I fun. have no idea who these people fun, are. Uh, <laughs> a fun discovery. Renee Rapp is, I mostly know her from the Mindy Kaling show that uh, I think it's called the Sex Lives of College Girls. Um, but it's basically like these four girls who are in college and she's one of the girls and she's very funny in that. Um, I, I didn't realize until like pretty late that like, oh, she has a singing career. And then it turns out it's because she played uh, Regina George in Mean Girls on Broadway, which is becoming a movie. And it's she a, it's, a, is, it's a movie of the musical of the movie. It sounds like a 30 Rock joke, it doesn't it? It is a 30 Rock joke. Because <laughs> uh, you remember season one when Jenna was in Mystic Pizza, the musical? Oh, or yes. That's right. Yeah. Pizza was a movie that became a musical, and I think they did then did a movie of the musical. Yeah, so it's it's a uh, Mean Girls has found its way uh, doing <laughs> the full Jenna Mulroney, uh, and Renee Rapp is uh, Regina in the movie version of the Broadway musical based on the movie version of Mean Girls. I love that Tina Fey made a Thirty Rock joke and then made it life. happen in real life <laughs> with her own original creation. If you can dream it, you can be it. <laughs> uh, when people say that uh, like women aren't funny, I'm like. Do you know anything about Tina Fey? How dare um, you? <laughs> she just made that happen. Uh, she's That's so a, funny. A comedic genius. Uh, it just that just proves a point. Um, well, I'll have to check out that uh, episode. I mostly exclusively listen to uh, '90s music and maybe early 2000s Fun. music. <laughs> 
I, I just kind of like to stay in that like spin doctors era. You know, <laughs> I do every time I watch something that's like set in the nineties, it like really, it like really takes me back in like a visceral way. And then like, I'm like <laughs> listening to nineties music. I'm like, yeah, put on a Leah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what people are doing now. That's fair. Music. <laughs> I like to stay in that era with, uh, you know, counting crows and such. Uh, so that's that's kind of my happy place. So uh, I'll have to learn something from the legendary ladies about the, the new music <laughs> that's coming out and the ties to Mean Girls. Well, I guess that is going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And stay tuned for next for the next installment of Secret Hearts. McGurk! I Do love typing. Do not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? It's being, becoming a human burrito, a plus or a minus. I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther, boardroom or ballroom. Because <laughs> she looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean? No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah!